Welcome back. This is your kind of well, kind of toxic host, Sarah Rittendale, bringing you another episode of Wellish. I feel like I have had several interviews within the last few weeks with like all of these random new people, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be interviewing somebody that I've known since I was five years old. I think I'm so excited to pick your brain after not seeing you in literally, it's like seven years. So Corinne Hansen, welcome to Wellish. I'm so excited that you were here with me today. Tell me about your specific study of psychology. When I went to grad school, I have an overall degree in just regular psychology, but when you go to a master's program, you have to pick. Like, you cannot just be like, oh, I want to study psychology. So I studied forensic psychology, and I specifically wanted to focus or had a concentration in sexual assault and domestic abuse. Oh, okay. Interesting. So is that how you got involved in the romantic relationship part of it? Yeah. So a big part of my thesis was kind of how we get there. How do domestic abuse happen? How does domestic violence happen? How does sexual assault happen? Because there's a stigma that like all that happens from someone you don't really know, and that's not true. Mm -hmm. Most people are involved in domestic abuse relationships with people that they've known for years. Mm -hmm. Do you think that a lot of the time it happens and people don't necessarily know that they're being abused? Yeah. Yeah, I would think that too. Especially like emotionally and mentally. I think it's really easy to say like, oh, domestic abuse or like toxic relationships are someone hitting you, but that is not at all the case. So what do you think is the case? What do you think is most common? So most people start off in a relationship and it, I, you can't even say like, oh, they, they start off. No one willingly goes into a relationship and is like, that person's really toxic. I'm going to date them. Yeah, right. You don't look at someone and be like, he's going to abuse me. He's going to fuck he's me up. He's going to abuse me. <laughs> I think I should date him for five years. Like nobody in their right. I, maybe actually someone. Someone might. You know, it's like a little a fun. <laughs> a little excitement in your life. Like, but no, I know what you're saying. That obviously people aren't going to voluntarily get into these toxic relationships. So it's like they don't necessarily starts, know. It starts small. Yeah. Oh, it starts oh. small. It's never like, it's not like he's just going to come at you and be like, fuck you, you're a stupid bitch. Yeah, right. It's going to be like little things like, oh, do you really want to wear that? Uh-huh. Where are you going? And it starts off like little things. I got into this field because when I went to college at St. Leo, I was sexually assaulted by one of the cross players on the team. And it became a really big part of my life and who I was and I needed a way to understand it. Interesting. When you say it became a big part of who you were, what does that mean? What does that look like? It happened like in the beginning of my sophomore year of school. So it kind of defined everything going forward for me. It defined all of my friendships. I found myself in a very toxic friendship with my roommates, with other people I knew, I felt very isolated and I knew that the only way to get out of this was to dive headfirst in and understand it. Okay. So it just became something that became so important to me because the more I learned about it and just my own free time and like researching it and all that kind of stuff, I knew I needed to talk about it. Do you think that helped you heal or do you think it made it worse? I think in the beginning, it was so helpful for me. Like, I transferred to a different school. I joined a sorority, and I ended up being, like, the Title IX person, which a Title IX is, like, basically when you go through an assault through a school, you go through a Title IX process. Um, I ended up working in that office. I ended up being, like, the Greek officer, whatever, Mm -hmm. for that in my sorority and, like, getting to talk to all of my sorority sisters about, like, what sexual assault is or, like, what domestic abuse is because... The person who assaulted me was not someone I was dating. We were just friends, and we ended up, because of the assault, being in a very abusive and toxic relationship after because we went to a small school. Mm -hmm. And so we tried to keep it under wraps, but, like, there was a lot of abuse going on behind closed doors while I was in another relationship. So, like, it's a very... Wait, I'm sorry. So he sexually assaulted you, and then you dated him? We never actually dated. So it was, like, a situationship situation. Like, I, I was dating my ex well this happened oh the kid who assaulted me was someone who we were really really good friends 
and after it, he wanted me to keep quiet. So it became a very toxic relationship of him saying, like, oh, he loved me, and that's why he did this to me. So he knew what he did was wrong? The whole time. Wow. The entire time. And then it never stopped. It wasn't, like, one assault. Because then he started, he realized that after that, he had a lot of power and control over me. Yeah. More of, like, I'm, I'm scared of you. So he would continuously do it and I wouldn't say anything about it and I would just let it happen Mm -hmm. because he would threaten like my friends or like my ex Mm -hmm. and I just didn't want them to be involved. And I feel like it's such a, it's so easy to feel like you are also at fault, like that you're putting yourself in these situations, you're continuing, not that you're at any way fault, but like that (laughs) you're, you're there, you were friends with him, whatever. hundred percent. It's so easy to blame yourself yes right absolutely and it's easier to almost blame yourself than to blame the person who did it to you because it's easier for someone to be angry with themselves do you think that i know you've done some of your studying in fitting in Mm -hmm. what how does that kind of play a role here do you think fitting in and like wanting to have friends or wanting to be in this relationship had anything to do with that I think that after it happened, I wanted to fit in so bad, and I didn't want to stand out, and I always felt, like, after, like an outcast. Interesting. Which is so weird, because looking back on it now, I'm, like, not an outcast in that. There was probably so many other girls that were dealing with what I was dealing with behind closed doors, so I probably fit in a lot more than I ever realized, but I just felt so, like, isolated, and, like, I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What has been your relationship with fitting in? Have Are you typically good at it? Do you, like, what does that look like for you? I feel like I've never been one that, like, wanted to fit in. Like, in the sense, until I got older. Like, in high school, I really didn't care. Interesting. I was friends with the right people, or the popular people. I was obviously cheerleading I feel like that makes people feel like oh like I'm with the right people like I'm with the popular people but I didn't I didn't care so like I feel like once something like that happened I was like I don't want to be different like I don't want to stand out in any way I want to fit the mold of a typical college student interesting okay so when you think about a time now later that you do care a little bit more why aren't you fitting in because I'm so willing to talk about things that make people uncomfortable so you think that makes you not fit in? Yeah. So that means that I don't fit in? Yeah. <laughs> I think you don't fit in when you have a voice that people don't want to hear. Interesting. And why don't you think people want to hear it? Because a lot of times, at least for me personally, I will tell you something. I'm like too honest. Like I know it and I, it's really bad. I try and be nicer about it, but like, I, yeah, sorry, no, 100% I'm that way. But like at the same time, I just feel like nobody wants to hear about how uncomfortable rape is. Interesting. Nobody wants to hear about how most relationships you have in your 20s are toxic. Yeah. People don't want to hear that. Why? Because they have to look at their own lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it definitely is so much more common, you think, than you realize. Yeah. I hope there's dog noises this whole time. Something that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought from when we were talking on Instagram, your perception of fitting in is a normal thing to try to do so figuring out this idea that it's totally normal that we try to fit in and there's nothing wrong with it and I feel like people try to say that there's something wrong with trying to fit in definitely it's normal everyone goes through a phase usually for girls happens in like high school or college that you just want to fit in you want to be liked Mm -hmm. especially I feel like you will see the most in like everyone your first semester of college I don't know if you felt this but me and my friends or like people I whatever knew in college my freshman year everyone and their mother was putting on their best front the first semester of college like everyone wanted to be friends with everyone everyone was inviting you to things but the second second semester hits everybody's true colors come out yeah well yeah the longer you get to know people that it's like oh you're like oh (laughs) it was like so weird though because everyone was trying so hard to fit in and then it's just like after winter break boom like no one it's just like wow yeah right well I think what's interesting about the concept is that obviously we want to be around like-minded people like Mm -hmm. human connection you know sense of belonging those are like core needs that we have so do you think then that we should not be trying to like fight it essentially like we should allow ourselves to fit in 
I think that you should allow yourself to fit into an extent. Like, you don't need to try so hard to fit in. You're going to fit in with the right people. And I think that's the idea, is that you should fit in with the right people, not fit in because you like want to be a part of the a group that you think is right for you yeah completely. you'll always fit in with the right people i i agree i feel like obviously i i think the key thing to be aware of is when you start to not feel it come naturally to you when you start to not be choosing to fit in i feel like when you're around people and you are like okay like i like fitting in here because i like them we think the same ways but instead of losing your sense of self. Yeah. Totally. Because you don't want to fit in. Yeah. Like, totally. If you think about it, so, like, obviously we've known each other for a really long time, so we know, like, a ton of the same people. But I feel like there was a part of, like, there was, like, one or two specific people that, like, were the ringleaders while we were in, like, middle school, high school. Oh, God, yeah. And everyone wanted to be so much like them. And so, like, we would do anything and everything to be like them. So, like... Literally, like, specifically, like, eighth grade when we were doing, like, EGYF cheer. Mm-hmm. And we had to go TPing. Mm-hmm. And one specific ringleader was, like, we all have to wear pink yoga pants. Like, the ones that, like... Oh, my wear. God, yeah! We all have to. And we all have to, wait make these shirts and wear the same Are you thing. talking about, like, the red tie-dye-ish <laughs> shirts that we drew, drew EGYF on? <laughs> That's yes, awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Those. And, like, we all had to do our hair the same way. And I was, like, what? Like, that was when I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, right. Because I remember going to the mall with my mom and telling my mom I wanted these yoga pants that were like 50 bucks. I was just going to say that. And suddenly you're dropping all of this money to try to fit in. And my mom was like, you're literally 13. Like, why am I buying you this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, because like, I have to. Yeah. Like, There's actually no other option, mom. There's like, I have to fit in. And that's true because if you didn't have the yoga pants or the shirt or the hair. They were not going to. And you are like physically, you see in real life the odd one out. And they would be like, oh, (laughs) look at Corinne. I also feel like you definitely had a different experience with this because you are blonde. But like, I'm not blonde and I cannot be blonde. It's (laughs) never going to happen. But I just remember like everyone started dyeing their hair blonde. I was like, I don't fit in here. Really? I don't fit in here. Shut up. When? Like, just in high school. But, like, coming to Florida for school, everyone goes blonde. Everyone. And I'm like, I can't. Like, I can't. I tried to balayage my hair. No, I looked ridiculous. I am not blonde. You do look good with the dark hair, for sure. It fits me. It does. I was like, I gotta be blonde. I gotta be blonde. It's like, I have, like, ten blonde friends, and they all look the same. I'm like... I don't fit in here. <laughs> that is such an interesting point. I feel like there's a blonde complex. I don't know what it is, but I had a friend in college that was like, I hated you specifically because you have blonde hair. And I was like, yeah. I was born like that. I don't know. Yeah, like you never had to feel this struggle. Like, I just was like, <laughs> you didn't have to go and be like, should I dye my hair blonde? And it would take me forever to dye it. It would probably take me like two years to dye it blonde. I feel like it started so young and you don't even think about it. Like, because obviously you're not a brunette. But, like, so young, you're like, oh, I gotta be blonde to, like, be popular and pretty. So Which is so weird because, like, some of the prettiest people, like, we know are not always blonde. No. No, I agree. And it does not, I just feel like it's so weird because the concept starts when you're so young, like, oh, to fit in, I gotta be, like, the blonde cheerleader. No offense. <laughs> She's like, I'm actually <laughs> annihilating you. <laughs> actually, just like, go What's on. interesting about you saying that is more so that that's just not at all how I felt. Like, you're saying like, oh, I have to have be the blonde cheerleader, and me, the blonde cheerleader, was like, I hate everything about me, so <laughs> I so don't funny. feel like I fit it's in in any way. Like so funny because it's like so weird because you lived like the opposite of it. Yeah, right. But like every like, but it's like I right. I, okay, so then I am the blonde cheerleader, but hi, I feel the same exact way as you. You're like, I need so to dye my hair you, brown you, immediately. Literally, dude, <laughs> yesterday. Everybody that I think is pretty, like Megan Fox, like everybody that I would like emulate, like I would <laughs> love to have be like dark hair, blue eyes. I would love that. Like sometimes I, wish I had blue eyes, but like I have these dark brown eyes. <laughs> oh my god! Suddenly we're annihilating like our entire like what we look like. This is not. This is we're, we fit in now. <laughs> we fit in now we, with ourselves. <laughs> I feel like sometimes trying so hard to fit in can be the same as trying really hard to stand out. Like it is this same. I feel like because there's this idea that to stand out you have to like literally stand out. Like yeah, to like. 
just prime example, like if I was a, still on the cheerleading team to stand out, I would have to come with like funky hair and like all this makeup and like be like this standout person when I could stand out while still, you can stand out and still fit in. And I feel like that's the, the controversial. Absolutely. I agree with you that it's like an over, it's, I feel like people think of standing out as an over the top thing that you have to like do all the things or even like if it's not what you look like, even if it, you're not the people that are like dyeing your hair not that that means anything. There's nothing wrong with dyeing your hair different colors, but I just mean like doing these outlandish things. But I also think that it just comes in like last night when we went out, mm-hmm. we're in this group of people. You can try to stand out in those situations by being like, oh my God, look at me do this and like climb a girl. fucking ladder up pick a wall. Me. Pick me. Yeah, yes. Pick me girls. Pick yes, me girls. exactly. Pick me so, girls and- the ick of pick me boys. How can we effectively stand out, do you think? What's a good way to actually go about that? Finding the right people. I feel like it always comes down to finding the right people because in the right people or like with the right group of people, you're going to fit in with them and still stand on your own and still stand out. Mm-hmm. And the controversial comes down to you can stand out well, you're fitting in with people because those people are still going to support you for your opinions and your beliefs that might be different than theirs. Yeah. And it's healthy and it's not toxic. It's not you standing out and like having like this controversial opinion just so you can stand out and have the attention. It's, hey, there's things about me that are different than you guys, but like you still love and care about me and I still love and care about you and there's the respect level there and we still fit in together, mm-hmm. but I'm standing out on this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's also just like becoming of age. That's okay. not so weird. Coming of age, like we're not going to like coronation, but like <laughs> at a certain point, you like you know who you are. Yeah. And I feel like in high school and college, and even honestly, realistically, like post grad twenty five, I don't always know exactly who I am, but I feel like I have a better idea than when I was like eighteen. Sure. But like once you kind of figure out who you are as a person and love who you are as a person, it's so much easier to fit in and stand out at the same time. Because there's so many ways you can make fitting in toxic and standing out toxic. So you just have to figure out the balance for you. And it's going to look different for me than it is for you. And it's going to look different for you than it is for your sister and my sister. And it's going to be different for everybody. So is that how you would say you can stand out while fitting in? Is just finding that right group of people? A hundred percent. I think that there's this like idea that, oh, like I'll, I'll be alone and I'll figure it out. Mm. And, like, I'll find myself, and I'll be alone, and I'll do it by myself. And it's this whole idea that, like, independence, independence, independence. But if you really think about it, it literally takes a village to do anything. And it's going to come down to having the right village. And it's going to take a lot, and sometimes you're going to have to kick people out of the village that you want to be in the village. But, like, you, you can't do it alone. This life is hard, and you need people, and you need to find yourself with your people, and you're going to stand out, and you're going to fit in, and there's going to be ups and downs of it all, but it doesn't have to be a straight line this or that. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like I totally agree that, like, me personally for sure, but I know that it's more than just me that feels this way, has always had a complex with the independence thing, that I'm like, if I don't do it by myself, I'm a failure. <laughs> I feel like I'm so independent. Like that's same. I'm so independent. It's why I wanted to go so far away from school. Like yeah, I remember being like, I'm going away to school because I need to just do this by myself and be by myself and alone. But it turned out to be absolutely untrue. I came down to Florida. I didn't really know anyone. I was in school. I was like a little tiny. I'm tiny still, but (laughs) (laughs) little tiny eighteen year old going to college. And it literally took a village. Like it's the weirdest thing ever because. Everyone I went to school with my first college was, like, from out of state. Like, none of us really knew each other. So it literally took a village for all of us to understand, like, who we were and mm-hmm. growing up. And, like, I was like, wow. Like, I went all of high school thinking I had to, like, do everything alone to coming to college and, like, literally being like, well, obviously everyone in college, like, you're scared to eat in the dining hall by yourself. You're yes, there. amen. But it's just, like, this whole idea that, like, you're going to find yourself with the right people. Yeah. Like you're gonna you're gonna figure out who you are and what you want and all those things and the, like it's not gonna be the way it always has because you need people. It's I think I it's just this idea that like one day I guess for me I woke up and I was like I can't do this alone. And I don't know if it's what I went through or like the relationships I was holding, but like I was like I need to just like purge these relationships and I need to have relationships 
both friendship and whoever date wise romantic wise I date that are like fulfilling mm-hmm. and real and not surface level mm-hmm. so talking about relationships then why do you think people settle for love that they don't deserve from a professional standpoint everyone wants to be loved mm-hmm. everyone it's human nature you unless you're a sociopath then can't feel love you everyone wants to feel love so you're gonna settle for whatever love is right in front of you and it's also in like the weirdest way you're settling for a love that you would give yourself oh my god yeah you're settling for a love that like it's like you're settling for the love that you think you deserve and you hear it from your friends all the time like why are you settling for this why are you settling for this because subconsciously you you think that's all you deserve yeah you don't think you deserve more than that because you're still beating yourself up for things that you've done in your past that are not right Mm -hmm. or like mistakes you've made. So you're like, okay, this is like where I'm at. This is what I deserve. Yeah. So you're so willing to be like, okay, this is a little toxic, but I'll stay. I also think that you don't have any concept of what better is in the relationship, but then also because of exactly what you're saying, that's all you do to yourself and potentially the only concept of real true unconditional love would be from your parents and that's if they gave that to you so it's like then that obviously gets into like parent issues and all of that kind of stuff (laughs) but I think it's also the idea that when we're in our 20s we have is the first time we really realize that people don't have like I don't I feel like I kind of knew this but like I didn't know everyone had different relationships with their parents and so like I know like everyone has different like households growing up but it's just the idea that like you have no idea what someone, like how someone learned how to love, and we all learned how to love differently. Mm. Every single one of us learned how to love differently, even if we came from similar households, just by our personalities matching with our parents' personalities, or like the relationships we have with our siblings. So like, obviously you had, you grew up with a mom and dad, a sister, and I grew up with a mom and a dad, a sister, but we probably love differently because of our personalities being different. That is so fucking bizarre. And again, I feel so (laughs) grateful right now to be interviewing you because I have known you for so long. We lived in the same neighborhood, same style house, the same economic status, like the same, like the same exact thing, but it would be so different. And it's like subtleties, like personalities that go your outlooks on life, their perceptions, like that would change how you love people. And then it also comes down to, like, we grew up very similarly, but we did have separate friends. So, how, like, friendships you had and friendships you held with those, you learn how to love people based on, like, your friendships when you're little. And no one, like, really correlates that to when you get older. Like, the friendships you start creating when you're, like, in kindergarten, when it's super easy to make friends because mm-hmm. everybody wants to make friends, mm-hmm. you're essentially learning how to, like, love people outside of your house, outside of the people that you live with. And mm-hmm. then you're going to start seeing how their, like, their love styles or their attachment styles, which is a big thing, like, attachment styles. I was going to ask you about that. Attachment styles and all of that, like, that's going to play a part in those relationships you continue to form and continue to form and continue to form. And so, like, when we're in high school, that's when we kind of are actually on our, like, we're able to think on our own, be on our own. Like, 16 years old, you think about your first, like, relationship. And, like, how it's, like, you're going to stay no matter how sucky it gets. Yeah. And, like, from personal experience, like, I don't really care. I hope he listens to this. Him and I have sat down as adults and talked about, like, why it was toxic for us. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Why? Because, I don't know, he, like, one day reached out and was like, I need to talk to you about, like, us. And I was like, okay, okay, what's up? And he was like, can I call you? And I was like, sure, whatever, I'm not busy. And then we, like, actually talked about, like, what he was going through and how he grew up and, like why he was the way he was with me and like how because I like loved him correctly in his form like I guess I wouldn't say I loved him correctly I definitely was my fair share of toxic but he was like you loved me right and now I can love the person that I'm with now better because you taught me how to love interesting and I was like oh so like I was foster home you're like (laughs) so I just trained you to be better for the next person literally that's how I feel and I'm like 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 low-key so offended because they're like in this happy relationship together and like about to get married and I was like that was my 16 year old dream so fuck you (laughs) (laughs) like I stayed through a lot of toxic for that girl and like at first I was really angry about it but I was like wait no like I'm so happy for that girl that she did not have to do what I had to go through 
Interesting. I feel like if anybody's qualified to talk about shitty situations, shitty relationships, <laughs> you're my girl, man. <laughs> what has been your experience with toxic relationships? Like, how many of those have you been in? I feel like a lot. <laughs> Honestly, (laughs) no, I really, truly feel like I've been in so many more than I should because I have a degree and I know that it's toxic. Okay, dude, I swear, like, I feel like being more aware makes me attract them. Wait, but I'm like, I'm like, I know you're toxic. Like, I know what we're doing is toxic. Like, this kid that I'm talking to now, he does things. I'm like, that was like, you're, I think you're gaslighting me, but I know it. Yes. And I'm like, wait, we need to take a step back because now we're like working on these healthy relationship boundaries. But like before I'd be like, wow. Did you just gaslight me? Should I gaslight you back? Like, <laughs> I'm aware of what's happening. But yes, I do have a fair share of toxic relationships. And I will say a big part of that was because in, a, in the sixth grade, lovely sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, I met this boy. And I was like, head over heels, head over Fuck heels. Fuck that guy. I know exactly who you're fucking talking about. Head over heels for him. And he was so toxic. Oh, my God. And it was toxic for everyone around me because yes. we were so toxic. Yes. And we could not break the cycle. Mm-hmm. But then finally, when I was like, I'm done with this, and I met someone new that I like caught my eye, it also was toxic. Mm-hmm. It was just a little different. Yeah. And then after that, I like found myself in like I'm just I was toxic like I will admit I was a red flag I am like if you ask my like friends, I was a walking red flag if you ask my friends sometimes in college current walking red flag I walking. heard your friend last night say that that she was like current toxic absolutely and I was like hell yeah I'm so excited to interview the shit out of you oh my God. yeah no yeah like I am a red flag and then I met like my ultimate green flag and he was a walking red flag in college and so now we're trying to be green flags for each other type of thing but like I will be the first to admit that like yes I have a degree in psychology and like I focus on this kind of stuff but I did my fair share of toxic Mm -hmm. is there a commonality between the toxic guys that you date oh 100% what is that trait daddy issues oh my god really daddy issues Really? Like, that they have daddy issues? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am a fixer. Fucking same. <laughs> I am a fixer, and I see them, and I'm like, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix you. You don't want to be fixed, but I'm going to fix you. <laughs> and then I do, and then I'm like, well. Now I'm bored. This is not fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. That's awesome. I'm like, I, I've had it. Like, is Like, no, literally every person I've dated has daddy issues and what does that look like like what are some and they're all a little different like with their daddy issues like obviously my first boyfriend was a little psycho psycho (laughs) but he just had a lot of issues like he had probably mommy and daddy issues Mm -hmm. but like he did not know how to love someone at all from a man's point of view because his dad walked out Mm -hmm. and then the second guy his dad didn't walk out but his dad was never present yeah like he was physically there but he was not a dad and so all these guys are chasing the idea how do you be a man and love someone interesting and then like my most recent ex um he's got he's got his own set of issues but like his parents were very present and like we grew up very similar Mm. but like he definitely has like he grew up in this mindset that he is like the top fish like he went to a very small high school he was the youngest and he's like his family's like pride and joy so he did not know how to like take the god complex down Mm. and so like meeting me i'm like here's my god complex let's play yeah (laughs) but it was like it's a fixing issue like i just like i'm gonna fix you yeah for sure i'm gonna fix everything have you broken that pattern i want to say yes but i don't want to give myself that much credit because (laughs) i definitely like still would I could see that there's still like toxic things that I like I catch myself doing them and I like text my one friend and I'm like is this toxic to say at least you like are I'm like I'm trying to, like, I'm like should I have not said that <laughs> or like with my friend from last night that you met she's like Karen we can't say that that's like really toxic I'm like oh I, I would have said that yeah literally what so what are those things like what is that pattern that you have I have a pattern where play the game where the game plays you fucking it's true though but like if you like uh, i'm like someone who like if you even think about crossing me i'm gonna cross you 10 times over and you're gonna hate me for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. because i just i don't know i think because i have 
the education level I do and I love my therapist, it's because I am scared of getting hurt. So, like, <laughs> I have to be toxic so that I'm not hurt and they're hurt. <laughs> That's awesome. I like how you're literally cringing as you and say so that. It sounds so bad out loud, but, like, I say it in my head all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm just being toxic. What? Well, and it, it's the truth. I mean, that is what you're doing. It's trying to prevent yourself. You're protecting yourself. Yeah. In a way. I think because my relationships that were really toxic, like, the first couple, I really did love them. Mm -hmm. and they really did hurt to like leave or walk away from and like I know it was for the best but like it didn't take away like wow there's a lot of damage there and there was one point in my like college career mid relationship with this kid that I was with Mm -hmm. that I was like I need to go to therapy like I need to talk to someone (laughs) (laughs) so is that like what did it take to identify the pattern so after my whole thing and why I transferred and all of that relationship I desperately needed some therapy, mm-hmm. like desperately, <laughs> even like against my will, like my parents dropped me off and like made me go. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Like I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And everyone's like, you're not fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I needed like an exorcism, but like. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so I went and then I did not want to talk. I remember sitting in therapy and I feel like it's just like. So people don't want to talk about therapy because people think like you have to be an absolute nutbag to go to therapy, and that's not true. No. I mean, my circumstances when I started, yes, I was probably a nutso, but I remember sitting there and being like, I'm not going to talk. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to give her the bare minimum. I'm yeah. not going to tell her anything. And then one day I just like was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to tell you the whole truth. You don't really know me. I don't really know you. If I hate it, I don't have to pay to come back to see you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I just like, and then she was like, how do you feel? And I was like, honestly, relieved. Really? Like, it was like an hour. And I was like, I just like, she's like, I just talked for like an hour straight. Interesting. About everything that I felt and like the relationships. And I'm like super self-aware. I have been forever. Not just, I think my degree makes it 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. But I'm the same way. I'm so self-aware. So like I knew I was in toxic relationships. I just didn't want to give them up. Yeah. Because I thought in my head, especially at like 16, 17, like it's just a phase. Like they're gonna get out of it. We're gonna be happy. Like it's just a, it's just a phase. It's just a phase. And I just kept telling myself that in every relationship that I got in. Oh, it's just a phase. Like we're twenty two. We're supposed to do this. Or like we're twenty one. We're supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like oh, it's just where we're at. But like it's not. No. Right. It's, it's not. It still doesn't make it okay. I mean, you can say that in the respect of it's like okay that you're going through it and it happened and we're gonna work through it because we're young and we got to figure these things out. But it totally takes over the way you perceive future situations yeah 100 percent. yeah and it's easy to also think like in my therapy session where i was just like here this is my life i realized that a lot of my toxic relationships did not start like romantically they were like friendships mm. that i would just push off mm-hmm. and be like oh we're not that good of friends like it's fine mm-hmm. it's fine she did that like there's like boundaries that were crossed from like friend perspective that i was like hmm whatever mm-hmm. like they're my friends I've known them my whole life and like it really hit me when I was in college and I was away from everybody from our high school and our LA town that I was like wow like were any of my friendships healthy mm-hmm. and it was like the reality that like I've known some of my friends my whole life and they were so toxic for me yeah for sure and like obviously now like we're we're good we we've worked through a lot of our things but like there was a point in time that I was like I have to cut you guys off yeah like I have to be done for sure and I just have to move on from these relationships because I'm settling for friendships that I don't really want to be in because I don't want to not have friends or that I've known you for so long. Yeah, just because they were in your life because you guys happened to go to the same school together or happened to be on the same cheer team or happened to be in the same church or the same area doesn't mean that you're meant to be friends forever. And I think it's the idea that I, like, want to hold on to people because I'm a fixer. I want – I never want people to feel alone or, like, Mm -hmm. that – they don't have anyone because I've definitely been in a place where I feel like I absolutely have no one and I didn't know where to turn so I don't want to do that to people but like there was just a point where I was just like I gotta I got I can't do these friendships like I don't have the same values as you I don't have the same like yeah. priorities as you like we're just different and I, I love you so much but like I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer you on from over here I think that that something powerful that you said that kind of rings true here is how you would you don't want to kick people out of the village, but sometimes you got to kick people out of the fucking village. You, sometimes you got to, like, be a cheerleader from afar. Yeah. 
like from all like from Florida to Illinois, like see you guys, <laughs> watching their lives and like pictures, which was also really weird for me because I was like, I'm not even their friend. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. You don't talk. You don't do anything. But like when I'm home, we're friends. Yeah. Type of thing, and I was like, I hate this. Like I hated coming home from college and being like, I have to fake be friends with. Both oh three God, months. I agree. And like I was just like, at some point I was like, I'm just not gonna come home. Mm-hmm. The attachment styles. Can, I I don't know why. I know that's so important. It's so talked you about. Need to get a book. You need to get the book called Attached, and it has like a magnet on it. Okay, done. But so attachment styles, what are they? I don't know why like my brain doesn't. Okay, so the thing about attachment styles is that people are like, oh, I have this. Atta-. You have multiple attachment styles. Like, don't pretend like you just have one. You're not special. Oh my god, duh. It's usually like a combination. Like you can't just like. It's always going to be, like, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I think that's why I never really look into it or it irritates me when I try to look into it and I shove it under the rug because I'm, like, I don't necessarily identify with any one of these. So, as an adult, you should have four. Yeah. Or there is four, I should say. Mm -hmm. Anxious, Mm -hmm. avoidant, Mm -hmm. disorganized, and secure. Mm -hmm. There is, like, one out of a billion people that are probably secure attachment styles at our age what does a secure attachment style look like like is that the uh, end it, the healthiest means, one like what it means what gold it star 10 out of 10 you win your secured attachment from like a childhood to adult relationship like you just are secure fuck that person and then obviously most people most adults our age are gonna have action anxious and avoidant attachment styles honestly i don't i can't really give you much on disorg I know it's like fear related, sure. but I don't, I've never really looked that much into it just because anxious and avoidant are the top ones and it's why people stay in toxic relationships. Okay. Or it's why like, you ever like not hear from someone and you just want to text them and you just want, yeah. like you're like, and then you start freaking out. You're like, oh my God, they don't, they don't like me anymore. Especially when you're like dating someone, you're like, they hate me. They hate me. Yeah. So in, like five minutes, they hate me. Yeah. And you're what I do wrong? so anxious and you're like going through the like what what the heck like why is this happening they like and you're running through all these it's because you are attached in an anxious way this person is probably not doing anything against you they're probably just busy they're probably taking a shit like or they don't like you they're not that into you and you need to not fucking freak out about it yeah right is that the same concept i mean yeah yes and no okay I feel like there's there's a different type. You'll get, like, I feel like with anxiety, at least, you feel it different. Yeah. You know when someone doesn't like you. You know what? You know. Thank you for validating me. You know. <laughs> it's an intuition thing. Like, you know when you're annoying someone. Yeah, for sure. But, like, I catch myself doing it now, like, with this kid that I know he likes me. Like, I know mm-hmm. he likes me. <laughs> but he sometimes he's busy and I'm busy because we are adults and we have a life. But I'm so, people are so used to our generation, we can be in constant contact with mm-hmm. people all the time. And it's so unhealthy because it makes us anxious when we can't get in contact with them. Mm-hmm. Or like, you're on Instagram, you see their little light, their little green light that they're on, and they're not answering you, so you're like... So, but you have time to scroll on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> but people don't realize that, like, you can mindless scroll. Yeah. It takes a minute to, like, talk to people. Right. And, like, you have to think, like... Not everyone has the space for it. Yeah. Like my favorite thing to tell people, like, is, like, do you have the space for this? Like, when you're talking to someone and you want to talk about something deep or, like, event, ask them, do you have the space for this today? Yeah. Ugh. What, so what is your typical response when you say that? Typically, like, if I have to say it, I'm like, hey, like, do you have space for this today? Like, I need to talk. Mm-hmm. And if they say no, okay. So people do say no. People can say no. I mean, it's – people definitely, like – the people closer to you are going to say no versus the people that you're like still that's like, that's a good point that obviously you're probably talking to somebody that you're you've got you've developed a good relationship with yeah like specifically like camille okay i'll be like hey do you have space for this and she's like no but i can tomorrow yeah oh okay or, hey i have this going on can we catch up in a week that's yeah. fucking awesome it's just learning that like not everyone has the space for what you have the space for mm-hmm. it's already made space in you yeah. so like it's not them being like mean or anything yeah like that's that's like a secure like i have a secure relationship with camille like yeah. it's secure but like anxious like i would just get anxious like if 
people don't answer me right away and I'm like, they hate me. Yeah. They hate me. Yeah. And I'm like, they don't hate me. Or avoiding. Avoidant attachment styles, it literally means you're avoiding it. Mm-hmm. You fear it. Oh. Why, when I have this conversation with you, does it sound so much more fucking simple than when I read a cute little slide on Instagram? Because you know me? I guess. I don't know. I think you're explaining it really well. I think it's you. <laughs> I, I think that, I don't know why. Because it it's ha- different to talk about something than to read something. Yeah. I just feel like if you, like, that's totally true. So anxious attachment is just, you are attached in an anxious way. You're avoidant in, or you're attached in an avoiding way. I guess that one kind of fucking confuses me because attached and avoid sound like opposites. Yeah. But, like, it's, like, attachment. The way I would explain it, the way I've explained it, too, is that it's, like, when you're really, really attached to someone that's toxic for you and you don't want to leave because you're anxious about it. Like, you don't want to leave someone because there's an attachment, so you're avoiding it. You're avoiding the problem. You're not going to talk about something that bothers you with them. Like, you can't be like, hey, you did this to me and it bothers me. Yeah. Because you're avoiding it. Yeah. Interesting. Because there's this fear in the back of your head that if you bring it up they're gonna leave yeah so a lot of attachment styles stem down to do you think they're gonna leave and it's like it's very normal for people to think that the disorganized one is kind of interesting too and this is just me using context clues since Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know anything about it and you said you couldn't give too much of an explanation but the disorganized again using that same sentence being attached in a disorganized way, I could see how that could be fear. Like, I could see how that could be, like... Well, there's fear in not knowing and being unorganized. Exactly, right. And I think it's the idea that you can have an avoidant and an anxious attachment style with one person, but you could also, like, I could have, say, an avoidant attachment style with you and an anxious one with Ben. Mm -hmm. And it can change based on who you're with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like every relationship you have is this one thing. Yeah. I also think it's situational. Like, okay, so let's, let's paint a cute little relationship. So not cute little toxic as fuck relationship. And he will not really text you, blows you off, isn't giving you the attention or energy that you're looking for. There's no effort. So you're anxiously like, why isn't he answering me? Why is he doing that? Usually that would have stemmed because he love bombed you. At oh, the so now we're getting into narcissism. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's yeah. what toxic relationships have bomb. Yeah, from. but you, he would. The way you'd feel anxious is because the relationship when it started out, obviously you don't. You're not like, he's gonna, he's gonna fuck. He's me gonna up. fuck he's me gonna up. Fuck me <laughs> up. Like you, you're just not like it starts really good and he gives you so much affection from the start mm-hmm. and he's texting you all the time. He's calling you all the time. He wants to see you all the time and then all of a sudden it just stops. Yeah. So then your anxiety of the situation is like, what I do wrong? Yeah. You're immediately looking to fix. But so then it turns into avoidant when you don't confront him about that. Yeah. In a sense. I feel like there's also a way where it, you're avoiding like you're tiptoeing around it. You might be bringing it up, but you're not just like, why'd you love bomb me? Yeah. I mean, no one would really. But even just saying like, why aren't you answering me? Or like, cause I can picture being in like situationships, like in a relationship, I might say something, but like in a situationship sort of deal, like I, in a million years would never be like, so I just want to talk about it. I would. I wake up every day and I choose violence. <laughs> like I wake up with fucking questions. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm no one's piece. Mm-hmm. We one hundred percent. So that's just like a, my personality thing. Like literally my situationship. I like will ask him a million questions. He's like, do you have any more? Like, do you want to add another billion to that? And I'm like, yeah, actually I do. I feel like a lot of when you talk about your toxic traits, it, a lot of them I feel like do come back to physical appearance. What do you think that's about? I think I really struggled in high school. Really. With what I looked like. And I think a big part of my toxic relationship with my ex, my first one, was that he really liked me for that reason. And so it became something that was so important to me. And I, like, remember really, really, really struggling with it. I can totally picture, too, how that would, you would so identify with that. You would so be like, well, this, like, especially if you're struggling with other things internally in school and you're like okay but I got this like at least I know that I have a bad (laughs) at least I am a 10 out of 10 there yeah right so it's like then you're like well I'm gonna use that to my advantage 
And it became, it definitely became a toxic thing for me because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm hot. Mm-hmm. And that also is why you probably analyze other people, like going back to like the blonde hair conversation that you're like, okay, I'm hot, but what could I do to be hotter? Like, what could I do like, to be what better? what can I do to be noticed? Yeah, right. But then it, in Florida, I will say, when I started here, everyone's in the gym. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously it's good to be in the gym, but like when I first got here, I was like, wow, I need to be like working out, working out. And I really struggled with like the food aspect of things because mm-hmm. everyone's, in, you have to be in shape yeah. year round. There is no winter. Right. People are at the beach on Christmas. Like, I was you're just going to say that. Yeah. You're not. There like, is no hoodie season. Yeah. Like maybe one day a year. Yeah. And we really all love it. Yeah. And there's just so many like fit, pretty people. Like people move to Florida and they're like the fitness influencers. So it really is an adjustment. And it's like realizing that a lot of toxicity comes from like yourself. Like if I wasn't toxic, I probably wouldn't have toxic relationships. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like. It's the idea of fitting in. I wanted to fit in. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep up. Like Everyone has a nice spot for the most part when you're 16. You don't have to work out. You don't have to do anything. No, yeah, you don't have to try for it. But then one day you wake up and your metabolism hates you. That's me currently. That's what I'm going through right now. I've always been tiny, as you can testify to, when I was in high school, two by four. And so then I was like, all right, college, I have to start working out. So that I can have a butt. So that I can... Because I but can't grow it, my boobs. And then it also became like the influencers. Like you have to have an ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you need the flat abs. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. And so I feel like that's kind of where I'm having an issue currently. Is that I feel like now I do have... Like how you were talking about eating. I do have to change my eating habits now. Before I could just eat Taco Bell all the time. And get drunk all the time. And then you didn't know. Like it wouldn't matter. And now I'm like, wait, I actually am putting on weight. So like... It's just so weird. Like, 25 is so weird. It is so weird. I, I 25 low-key is really fucking me up. I really feel like... You've been 25 for a month? A month. And a I'm fucked up about month. it. And I'm fucked up about it. I've been 25 for... September? Nine months? Ten months? <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling you, it's it's not a fun show. <laughs> Do you set intentional time aside to take care of yourself? 100%. There was a time, I guess, when I was in my... Po- when I was in this, like toxic sexual assault domestic abuse relationship with this kid i took no time for myself and then the year after i took no time for myself because the time for myself was just the time i was allotting for myself was spreading awareness about what sexual assault was and it wasn't ever taking care of me and then most recently my last relationship um there was a lot of mental health issues on his side so my whole life was dedicated to making sure he was okay and I was not even doing something as simple as, like, getting a haircut or doing anything for me because my whole life was wake up, take care of the dogs, go to work, go to school, make sure he's going to the doctor, make sure he's doing what he needs, all of these things. Like, I took on the role of, like, mother, therapist, friend, best friend, enemy, like, insurance claim, like, anything that I could take on and nothing was for me. So when I turned 25, I was like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, 25 is for me. Mm-hmm. And that is why I feel like it's been the most, like, stressful year of my life because I'm trying to take, like, my 20s and be selfish. The way people say, like, you're 20, you're 20 something, be selfish. Mm-hmm. So, what does that look like? What do you do? I prioritize going to the gym in a different way. I used to prioritize going to the gym and, like, heavy lifting all the time. And I used to very obsessively track my calories and I called that self care. Now I do what feels right. Sometimes that's lifting, sometimes that's Pilates, sometimes that's a spin class, sometimes that's just a walk with my dog. I prioritize, like, getting the exercise and moving my body in, but I don't focus on, like, it. you have to do this, 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 on this, this, this schedule. You have to wake up at 4 in the morning and go to the gym for 2 hours, and, like, you can't eat the candy bar, or you can't go get ice cream with your friends. But now it's like, okay, I'm going to get ice cream with my friends. Like, one ice cream is not going to kill me. Oh, my God. That just made me take a deep breath. That's so true. I feel like that was my thing when I was really into fitness and I was training and doing a lot of that is trying to keep up with this like regimented. And I do that not just like for exercise. I do that with a lot of things in my life that I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it until I die. <laughs> if I don't stick to this regimented schedule, then all hell is going to break loose. Yes, exactly. And so I think that's such a good way to look at it is I like how you said too about the tracking the calories and calling that self-care it's like you have to be careful not to lean into the toxic tendencies of the healthy habits 
because it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and then you're no fun. Mm-hmm. Like, and I you're remember, not you're not happy. You're not enjoying uh, it. Yeah, like I remember like being in a relationship and like he's like, let's go to dinner. I'm like, I can't. It doesn't fall on my calories. And he's like, you're miserable to be around. And I'm like, I am miserable. So we're both miserable. Yeah, right. And then one day I was just like, you know what? We're not doing this. And yeah. now like, obviously my 22 year old's metabolism is a little bit different, especially as a boy than me. And like, I just know like I can go get tacos with my friends. Maybe I don't need to eat like seven tacos. Yeah. But like just knowing the balance that like, Two tacos, three tacos is not going to kill me, and a margarita is not going to kill me. Like, maybe just don't overdo it. Yeah, right. And it for me, it really took um, I had a little bit of a health scare a few, like, maybe seven months ago, where, like, I had, like, this heart problem, and it was literally because I was so, like, restrictive with my what I would eat and, like, how hard I was exercising. Like, I'm not very big. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to, like, intake, like, so much protein that my body could not break down. And then I was also, like, going to the gym two times a day for two hours. Wow. Like, each time. So, yeah. like, four hours a day. And I was probably sleeping, like, maybe four hours. Oh, my God. And so f- then I was like, okay. So fuck, no recovery. Like, I have to. Like, I was just go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I have to do this differently. And then it just became like, okay, self-care doesn't have to be, like, this expensive world that we live in like I don't have to go get Botox to do self-care mm-hmm. sometimes self-care for me is literally going to the pool and reading a book mm-hmm. or listening to a podcast or going to the pool and just sitting with my friends mm-hmm. going on a walk I like, feel like we make it so complicated drive, yeah doing anything little mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like let's go get lip filler and eyelash extension me with my eyelash extension <laughs> <laughs> and lip flip but that was just that was not self care. That was just the me. I feel like that. I get what you're saying though. That it's it doesn't like, have to be that. It doesn't have to be like this big thing. Like it doesn't have to be cute either. Mm-hmm. Sometimes self care is doing a face mask with like the kid you're dating, and it's messy, and it's not like this cute little like like selfies thing. It's like there's face masks everywhere, but it's mm-hmm. fun. Sometimes self care is looking disgusting and sitting on your couch and not having showered in a couple days and just watching fucking Real Housewives until you're blue in the face. Maybe not the shower, but I love to shower. I can shower like four times a day. You know what I mean, though. That yeah. it's like, you are you can be like, it's not like a aesthetic thing all the time. Sometimes self-care is just like being yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. How much did Toxic Corinne, or a more Toxic Corinne, I should say, how, <laughs> how did she handle self-care? Self-care was about looking my best, so I was better than everyone around me. I wanted to be the best. Yeah. In, like, such a weird way. Like, I wanted to be the best person that kids ever, like, talked to. I wanted to be the best person that kids ever slept with. I wanted to be the best person that kids ever, like, seen. Like, especially because it it was just, like, I want to do everything better. And there's, like, specific people that I was trying to be better than. Mm -hmm. So self-care was not caring for myself. It was just trying to look better, like, even, like, be smarter. Like, I will 100% tell you I did not want to go to grad school. Oh, my God, Really? Why did you? I wanted to be better. I wanted to say I have a master's degree. Yeah. I love to tell people I have a master's Hell degree. Hell yeah. <laughs> she said I, I, was like, I was applying and going, like, I literally took the LSAT because I wanted to go to law school just to tell people I was going to law school. Like, not because I wanted to, yeah. but, but for a while I wanted to go to I law know school, what you but mean, then though. it became like a, I just want people to know that I'm smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like, like you're, it's, that's a lot of pressure. Like, it's like a lot of expectation for yourself. It's like you're trying to prove something all the time. Yeah. Basically. And I was like, why am I even doing this? No one cares if I go to grad school or don't go to grad yeah, school. Right. Like no one cares what my job is. Like right. I just the people won't. that are in your life that matter to care will care. Yeah. Like, because you guys are like minded maybe, but it's not like they care about what you specifically do. It's just an interesting fact about you. Yeah. And like, I just feel like for me, especially when my really toxic college current college current is toxic. I just want like, I don't want to be in a sorority. I was in it because it was like cool. Yeah. And I didn't want to be, like, on the exec board because, like, I desired to be that. But, like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to be, like, yeah, I'm yeah, an exec. for sure. Can we talk about how when you don't love yourself, like, you're not taking care of yourself and doing these, like, self-help things, you can't get out of the these toxic situations that you're in. But when you're in the toxic situations, it's fun. Well, but it's, like, hard to take care of yourself. It's hard to see that. It's also, toxic is fun. Like, I'll be the first to admit, toxic is fun. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you don't really want to get out of it and take care of yourself. Because it's, like, fun to go off the rails. Like, yeah. once, like, in a while. Like, it's fun to have, like, a week where you're just going to black out 
drink with your friends and do stupid shit and like do whatever you want and it's fun to not have to like worry about taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. but I think you get stuck in that yeah but I feel like when you are in these relationships specifically like romantic relationships or even honestly friendships and people like they're manipulating you and gaslighting you and and you're just like kind of getting beaten down and beaten down to feel like you're not good enough or feel like I don't know you're not worth taking care of for yourself it's hard to that's like the entire point of like toxic domestic abuse relationship is that they want to beat you down yeah right they want to have full control over you and so it's like easy to lose yourself in those relationships and that's why you see so many people that are in them and they they're not willing to leave because it's work to leave so i was just gonna ask you it's work to leave for sure it's work to leave and It'll take about seven times for someone to leave a toxic relationship before mm-hmm. they're done. I can picture that. And you can ask. Some people, it'll take, like, less time. Like, if we look at mine, I don't really care. My toxic relationship with my person who assaulted me. I remember, like, we weren't obviously actually dating because I did have a boyfriend, which is, like, a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember trying to leave the toxic relationship behind, and it took me time. Mm-hmm. And, like, we went through a whole, like, it. I tried to leave, like, a few times while we were at school from it and just, like, say, like, we're done, we're cutting it off, I'm blocking you, we're done. And I couldn't leave. And then I remember we went through a whole Title IX together. And I was still trying to make something work with him. Like, I was still trying to make it work. And we um, almost had a child from one of the assaults. So we were, like, really trying to make it work. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm stuck. Like, I have to make this work. It doesn't matter what he did to me. We might have a baby. Like, we're figuring all that stuff out so it's like that was like time number four and then I literally left he got kicked out at Leo I transferred and I'm still trying to make a toxic relationship work with someone who I like we're not even in the same state anymore yeah and so it took me like five times to like actually be done yeah because I just couldn't I was so beaten down and I almost in a way wanted his approval to like be okay Mm mm-hmm do you think that that's necessary to take that time? Like, do you think that that's almost how you get out of those toxic relationships? Or if you have a different way, what would that be? I think that it's going to be different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times, like, we obviously talked about how a lot of things take a village. In this case, it takes a village once you've left. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready to leave. Mm-hmm. You have to be, like... The when I left the last time, I was like, and I woke up and enough was enough. Mm-hmm. I went to therapy. I did everything that I needed. Enough was enough, but it was when I was ready. Yeah. I couldn't leave those other times because I just wasn't ready. Yes. And no matter how many, how much my friends were ready or my parents were ready, because obviously everyone knew what was going on, they can't make me leave until I'm ready. Just like when someone's getting like beaten. Yes. They can't leave until they're ready, and it's not going to be until it spills over into their life, mm-hmm. typically. Like, it's going to be, like, when they realize, like, oh, like, we have a kid. That kid's going to get hurt if I stay type of thing. But, like, you have to be ready on your own to walk away from something that's toxic. And no one can want that for, like, I guess they can want it for you. But no one can, like, it's like when you leave a horse water, you can't make a drink. Yes. You can, you, that's why, like, when you meet people and you have a sense that they might be in a toxic relationship, it's kind of easy to pick out signs. Like, I can, we can go to the bar and I can, like, be like that person person yeah and tell you but like that's just my like training on it but you can be there for your friends and let them know you're gonna be there for them but until they're ready you can't pull them out of that toxic relationship yeah and you just have to be someone that like they can talk to yeah because i don't think toxic relationships are talked about in the sense where like they're talked about like oh if he hit you yeah obviously leave no one talks about like when they talk down to you Mm -hmm. Or when they make little side comments about you. Or when you just simply are not, like, you might love the person so much, but you clash with each other. And you just don't feel supported and loved and, like, you're supposed to feel. And, like, it's so easy to get caught up on the, well, we once were so in love. What's the biggest mistake between, because something I feel like I hear a lot is people talk about, oh, well, he he's just growing he's making mistakes or we're we're learning to love ourselves together what is the biggest difference between somebody who's actually made mistakes or is actually you know like growing and somebody who is toxic and not good for you 
I think it's the idea that someone you can love so much and they're growing on their own and you're growing on their own, but it doesn't mean you guys, you should grow together. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that kind of like sometimes loving someone that's toxic for you is letting go so they can grow up on their own and you can grow up on your own and then hoping that you find your way to mm-hmm. each other if it's right. And that's hard because obviously then there's the argument that people are going to be like, oh, you didn't stick by him. Mm-hmm. And there's always this like, he's just a guy like he's just figuring it out no it doesn't give you an excuse to be like i think excuses for them yeah like i joke that i'm like very toxic but like i would never be toxic to someone where it was like detrimental to them Mm -hmm. i would know where my lines and boundaries are like sometimes toxic's fun in a way that like you can poke fun at each other but i would never like hit like but i will say i have been in those like obviously my most recent relationship we were together for a really long time and we spent a lot of college growing together mm-hmm. and so we it just was normal for us to grow together and have those little toxic fights but it became toxic to a point where neither of us could handle it anymore when we got older and we're in postgrad and we're trying to grow and trying to grow and trying to grow and neither of us wanted to outshine the other one mm-hmm. or let the other one outshine the other one interesting so at some point we the toxic relationship had to break like I love and care about him still, mm-hmm. but like together we're toxic. Yeah, right. That's interesting. You're feeding off of each other, or you're like, what's the opposite of feeding off of each other? Repelling each other? I don't know. It's like the, what you're doing clashes. Rishing. It just doesn't. It just doesn't match. It doesn't fit. And you want it to fit so bad because it's been there for so long. Mm-hmm. But like, and because you've worked so hard at it that you're like, why isn't it working? What am I doing wrong? What can't I do to fix this? And so one day it's just like waking up and realizing that like the problem is where we don't see eye to eye right now and mm-hmm. we're not going to yeah until we realize that it's okay for both of us to shine yeah yeah if there were three things you could choose for everyone to know when it comes to love what would they be love doesn't hurt okay love isn't easy but love does not break you okay like in a sense where like it's never gonna be easy to love someone it's not life isn't easy it's never gonna be like this sunshine rainbow movie where like you meet someone and like it's like the last song and like it's just perfect Mm -hmm. it's gonna be hard work but love does not hurt okay so then one what's two two would be understanding that most girls in today's society have been in a domestic abuse or sexual assault relationship so they are learning how to love again and they're learning how to love right Mm -hmm. so you've got to be patient Mm -hmm. and that technically that goes for both like you need to be patient when it comes to loving someone um and i guess three would be you have to like it's so cliche but you have to love yourself Mm -hmm. in order to love someone in a healthy way yeah you have to be able to take care of yourself and meet your own needs before you will ever be able to healthily healthily Mm -hmm. meet someone else's okay deal okay just to finish we're gonna play a, a cute little game closing game kind of toxic kind of well what or who are you jealous of but okay um i'm jealous of my younger self for just being like innocent Hmm. and like not knowing like because ignorance is literally bliss and that is the one thing i've learned by 25 is that if i knew less i would be better off (laughs) (laughs) when is the last time you people pleased instead of doing what you actually wanted to do last night why? What, what happened? I have a freaking kidney infection, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll go out." <laughs> Holding oh, I have, I have a better one. I have a better one. A month prior to this, okay, like last Friday, like the first Friday, every it's every month. So it's single day mile. We're out. All my friends and I are having a fun time. This kid situationship calls me. He lives in Sarasota. That's like an hour away, and he was like, "You need to come right now." And I was like, "Fine, I'll leave." So I had to people please him, and I had to drive an hour just oh my God. to argue with him in a gas station parking lot. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> kind of toxic. When are you selfish? Uh, not very often. I'm not a very selfish person. I would say that's, like, my biggest flaw. I would say if I had to be selfish, it would be, like, with Finn. Okay. What do you find yourself overthinking about? My last relationship interesting what about it why it went wrong why it's not working 
would it ever work again? Mm. What are you picky about? Who has access to me? Good answer. What makes you quick to get angry? My mom. Why? <laughs> my parents. Why? Everything about my parents. I just, I don't know. They just, they just irk me. Like, they mean so well, but, like, we, I definitely clash with my parents a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I feel like you've always had that. I feel like it's always been that way. I'm just, like, so different. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just more outspoken. And, like, they're very, like, conservative and, like, mm-hmm. so I'm just more like a, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Yeah. So they make you angry. Why? What, what's the last thing that's happened that you've been, like, you've experienced that anger? When I was going through my breakup and my parents were, like, trying to comfort me and I did not want comfort. Mm. Like, I wanted a solution. Mm-hmm. And they, I remember, like, telling my dad, like, you need to fix this. Mm. Because, like, he's my dad. He's supposed to fix things. And he's like, Corinne, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I cannot fix what's going on right now. Yeah. And I'm like, figure it out. Figure it out, please. Figure I it can't. out right now. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Falling in love again. Yeah? Why? I feel like I have fallen in love. Like, I've definitely fallen in love, like, twice. Okay. And I feel like both of them really fucked me up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, like, terrified to love someone. Yeah, for like, sure. Like, actually, like, be in love again. For sure. I can see that. What do you not have empathy for? I don't have empathy for people who, like hate their lives because they didn't leave their hometown yes amen <laughs> amen bitch <laughs> just like there's no empathy there sorry yeah you're especially like you're not even just leaving the hometown but not doing anything to like you hate your life but i actually you're just also really have life. no empathy for people who come back to their hometown to teach at their hometown high school and then they just like hate their lives yes if you love it fine but if you're miserable i, I feel don't like you feel can't, bad for I you i feel like you cannot pretend like you're happy going back to your high school i agree can you imagine being trapped in the halls of elk grove i'm like specific i'm thinking about one specific person that just really irks me <laughs> no we're gonna talk about that in a second <laughs> if you could give one piece of advice to someone trying to improve themselves or become more well than toxic what would it be go to therapy like there are so many ways to get help like therapy like literally once someone was being bitchy to me and i sent them a link to that betterhelp.com you did and i said please seek therapy that's actually the best comeback like please seek therapy like i don't have time for you to be toxic to me because you won't like even with my like situation like just seek therapy like Every time someone, like, says something to me and it pisses me off, I'm like, just can you, like, it's not my fault your, like, mom didn't hug you enough, so, like, just seek the therapy. Like, we're adults. <laughs> so funny. Corinne Hansen, thank you so much for being here. I've appreciated everything that you've talked about and said this whole time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Tampa, Florida. I will. <laughs>